0: You know, it's been about 2,000 years since the coming of Emmanuel, and we still rejoice. We still come together to celebrate his coming, but I think we can also relate to the words from that first verse there, just that the yearning for Jesus to come. We now are in a place where we long for Jesus to return. He will come back again one day, and we do long for that Uh, But tonight is about celebrating the the first coming of Jesus. It's about remembering Emmanuel, God with us, breaking into the very world that he created. And as we read a moment ago in Luke 2, Jesus came with staggering simplicity. The shepherds were told to go and find a child that was wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And, you know, it must have been a shock to everyone for the Messiah to come like that, but it shouldn't have been. If we understand what was predicted in the Old Testament, there's plenty to cause us to think that this is exactly how Jesus would come, and tonight I want to share with you a few verses from Isaiah 53. We've been in Isaiah uh, talking about promises of the coming Messiah here the last several weeks, but I I want to begin with Isaiah 53 verse 2 today. As it talks with just, it's just amazing how uh, accurate these words are that were written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah 53, 2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. It begins by, by talking about how the coming Messiah would be like a young plant coming out of the dry ground. Or just, just struggling to survive. No form, no majesty, no beauty that we should desire him. But if you think about a plant that grows that way, this is not the kind of plant that you're going to put on your front porch for everybody to admire its beauty. This is a plant that is going to struggle to survive. And I suspect that you know, the, the lack of beauty made Jesus more approachable, you know, especially for the have-nots of society, those that maybe felt like they wouldn't otherwise be able to approach him. And Jesus had a real soft place for the have-nots of society. And let's just be honest. Isn't it true that sometimes the rich and beautiful can be intimidating, you know? You ever felt that way? There was somebody that looked so put together that you felt, I don't think I could approach that person or have a conversation with that person. And I I do think it's on purpose that Jesus came the way he did and lived the way he did. You know, in our society, we try so hard to appear to have everything all put together, right? Especially this time of year. And one of my favorite things around Christmas is receiving Christmas cards, which basically have become, in most cases, photos, right? Which is fantastic. I love seeing the photos. Sometimes we get cards from people that we haven't been in touch with as much and we could see their kids are growing up and all it's just it's fun to see the family pictures. Somebody was telling me recently about some friends of theirs that when they take their Christmas family photos, they intentionally take bad pictures. You know, like maybe they're squinting, their faces all contorted and that's what they put on their Christmas card. And my first thought was I like these people. I want to meet these people someday. These are my people. I love it. It's hilarious. But I think it's their way of pushing back against all the pressure that we feel to have everything all put together and perfect. Most of the time, if we are showing ourselves to someone, we want to put our best foot forward, especially this time of year. This is a time when everything's so pretty. Beautiful lights, exquisite Christmas decorations, and perfect family photos. But that's not the way it was on that first Christmas. The stable where Jesus was born didn't have any fancy lights. In fact, I suspect there wasn't much light there at all. In place of decorations were smelly farm animals. It was anything but picture perfect from our perspective, but from God's, it was, it was perfect. It was exactly as he intended it to be. And I believe the environment into which Jesus was born set the stage for the rest of his life and his ministry. He was like a root out of dry ground. No majesty, no beauty to attract us to him. And I think that was exactly the point. When he became one of us, Emmanuel, God with us, he became one of us. An ordinary man that anybody could relate to. And because of that, among other reasons, Jesus was the most approachable person who ever lived. And I really want you to hear me on that, especially if you feel a bit like an outsider when it comes to spiritual things. Like, I I know it's Christmas. I know some of us are here that aren't normally, and maybe this whole church thing is, you know, just kinda in your thing. And because of that, it's possible that you could feel a bit like an outsider. Now I want you to know that we go out of our way to try to create an environment where everybody feels welcome, everybody feels loved. Uh, That's really important to us, I'm realistic enough to know that it's likely that some of us in the room feel, you know, a bit on the outside. And I just want you to hear me, if that's you, that Jesus had a soft place in his heart for people like that. And he was so approachable. Uh, There was nothing about him to intimidate or to push people away. He loved people that other people didn't. And, in fact, Jesus came for those who don't have it all together. Let me keep reading The next verse, Isaiah 53.3, says he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Anybody relate to that at all? Can you relate to what it would be like to be despised and rejected by others? To be a man or a woman of sorrows, acquainted with grief? Feel like you're one that others may turn their faces away from for whatever reason. Being despised, not esteemed by others. That's describing the coming Messiah. And that's exactly how it played out in Jesus' life. The fact that he loved everyone, and especially those that everybody else didn't want to have anything to do with, that caused a lot of trouble for him. It got him in trouble with people in high places. And the fact that he didn't follow all the religious rules really upset those in authority. And ultimately, his claim to be God in human flesh cost him his life. That's what we read about next. Isaiah 53, pick it up in verse 4, says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And these verses reveal the reason Jesus came in the first place. Now I know it's Christmas. And this is a time that we remember and celebrate the birth of Christ. But if we don't understand the reason for his coming, we're going to miss the point. I love what Max Lucado said. He said, Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. The child in the cradle became the king on the cross. It's exactly right. Everything about the life of Jesus from the very beginning was pointing forward to the purpose that he came. And it's described this way. It says that he was stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It describes with incredible clarity the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Christ. When his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross, he was literally pierced for us. When he died, he took on the payment for our sins. It says that upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we were healed. What he's talking about here is the fact that Jesus paid the full penalty for sins that you and I owe. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. Death is ultimately separation. Our sin causes us to be separated from a God who is holy and perfect. Now that's a problem in this life. Being separated from God in this life is a problem because we need the peace that God can bring. We need the comfort. We need the joy. We need the sense of purpose that God brings into our lives. It's a problem to be separated from God in this life. But it's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that if we're separated from God now, then we're going to be separated from God for eternity because our souls are eternal. We will continue to live on either in the presence of God or separated from God in a place of unspeakable torment. And God's heart is not that anybody, not one person in this room, would be separated from him for eternity. That's his desire, and that's why Jesus came. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died, he was paying the price. By his wounds, we have been healed, and God laid on him the iniquity of us all or the sin of us all. Jesus died for us. Christmas begins what Easter celebrates. Jesus came for the purpose of becoming a sacrifice for us. He gave his life, but then he rose from the dead in victory over sin and death. You know, I suspect that every one of us over the next day or two will open at least one Christmas gift, right? You're going to be given something in probably a a box that is wrapped in pretty shiny paper and maybe has ribbon or bows on it. Or if you're receiving a gift from me, it might come in a gift bag or one of those pre-made boxes because I'm 54 years old and I still don't know how to wrap a present. But either way, you'll, you'll receive a gift and you open that gift, hopefully with gratitude in your heart toward the giver. But in order for the gift to become ours, we have to receive it, right? We have to to make it ours. And whether you realize it or not, you have been given, you have been offered the most incredible gift imaginable. It's the gift of forgiveness. It's the gift of eternal life, of being a part of God's forever family. Everything that needs to be done has been done. Jesus came for the purpose of dying in our place so that we could be forgiven and we don't have to pay the penalty for our sinfulness. That's the gift, but we have to receive it. It's offered to us, but we choose whether we will receive that gift or not. I like the way John's gospel describes this. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Today, I'd like to invite you to receive that gift of forgiveness and eternal life. I know many of you already have. You put your trust in Christ, but I know that there are many of us here tonight that haven't taken that step yet. I just want you to know, God's desire and God's heart for you is that you would receive the gift, that you would know what it means to be forgiven, that you would know what it means to be part of his family. And so I just want to lead us through a prayer that you can pray, a prayer of faith, a prayer of trust, really essentially it's a prayer of saying, I, I can't save myself. I know that I'll never get there on my own. But I believe that that's why Jesus came. I ultimately believe that Christmas began what Easter celebrates and that Jesus came for the purpose of becoming our sacrifice for sins. So I want to give you that invitation right now to pray a prayer, a prayer of trust, a prayer of faith, a prayer of turning away. From your sinfulness and putting your faith in Jesus. So let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. If you're ready today to take that step of faith to say yes to Jesus, to receive Him, and to become His child by faith, I want you to pray a prayer like this. I'll pause after each phrase so just in your own heart you can repeat this back to God. God, I confess that I'm sinful. Thank you for sending Jesus to earth to become my Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. Right now, I turn away from my sin and I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for saving me and making me your child today. Amen.